Welcome to Talking With Tech. I'm your host, Rachel Madel, joined as always by Chris Bougay. Hey, Chris. Hey, how's it going, Rachel? Good. What you got for me this week? I'm super excited. So today was an awesome, awesome day today. Uh, here's what I got to do, right? It's super cool. So you've heard of this uh, software program called Minecraft. I mean, it's been out for a while. <laughs> I have. I think that I think everyone probably has heard of it at this point, like if you're working with students, right? Of course, definitely, for sure. I mean, you've at least heard of it, right? If you haven't actually seen it or played with it. Well, a bunch of the staff that I work with had not seen it or played with it. I mean, they had some passing familiarity with it, you know, with either their own kids or, you know, again, people having seen short little snippets of it on the news or whatever, you know, so they had, like I said, a passing familiarity. So what we did today is uh, one of my teammates um, had organized a, uh, a get-together with students, middle school students, that uh, partnered with each of us, and they sat and they taught us for close to an hour of what Minecraft was and what it meant to them, and they showed us around, they showed us how to move through the world and how to log in and how it was safe and secure, and it was just this awesome experience. The design behind the experience was they, they put together a... A, uh, you know, so we all came to the, all came to the building, and in the building, as we walk in, the middle school students had made like um, poster board signs that said "Follow me down the hall," and they had like stationed themselves so that you could follow the students into the into the library. Uh, so we we make our way into the library, and we set up. And then they had a um, maybe maybe a ten minute presentation. That's probably even a little long, but of where they just kind of stood in front of the the screen and they did their slide deck and they were talking about how much they love Minecraft, how it is it fuels their creativity, how they collaborate together in it, how they um, problem solve and um, and create new worlds and new buildings. And it was just like fascinating uh, and innovation. They were talking about how they uh, how they were innovating in it. And it was just so it was so great to see middle school students like getting up there and presenting you know what i mean Uh, because you know presenting especially for for you and i it's like something near and dear close to our heart you know um, and then we buddied up and we sat with a student. My guy was Joshua C. Shout out to Joshua C. Uh, he sat next to me and we went through uh, Minecraft and he showed me a bunch of features that, you know, again, I was familiar with it, but I, I, I had knew that you could code in Minecraft. Uh, I just had never done it myself or seen it. So he showed me that I had, um, heard and seen videos of how immersive reader works in Minecraft, where you can, um, uh, you can put in text in Minecraft and like on signs and things. Uh, but it, of course, if you had dyslexia or if you needed to have that text read out loud, that could be a problem. And, you know, if you're experiencing that in the world, well, because it's a Microsoft product, they had built in immersive reader. Immersive reader, you can hit a little button. In fact, this was great too. I was like, Joshua, you got to show me immersive reader. And he was like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, how are we going to find out? And he was like, YouTube. And so we jump out of Minecraft. We open up YouTube. We Google it. He's like, how do you spell it? So we, we plug it in. We All it took was a screenshot. We didn't actually watch the YouTube videos, just a simple screenshot. And he was like, oh, you hit I on the keyboard. Hits I on the keyboard, brings up the the, the immersive reader, and boom, boom, we were having text read out loud in Minecraft. 
it was awesome. He's like, I didn't know that existed. And I was like, I knew it existed, but I didn't know where. I didn't know that the coding, I didn't know how to get to coding. And you taught me that. And so we were like uh, high-fiving and uh, elbow bumping the entire time. It was just a, a great experience. And then the the students had to leave and we still had like 15 minutes. We we're like, can we hang out here in the library? And then the whole team decompressed about like, how can it be used for core vocabulary? How can it be used? Like you're building blocks and, and going up and down and under and prepositions. And we were talking about immersive reader how we learned that and just how this is like it's close to 10 years old but for some of the people that this was the first time they were seeing it and it was like a big takeaway moment was what's coming next like what are we preparing our future students for um for students with and without disabilities the world is changing with technology and we have to stay abreast of it there's so many things i love about this one i just want to remark on the fact that you were problem solving and asking questions in real time to figure out the immersive reader piece, right? Because, and I feel like this is such an important reminder for all of us working with students, like stop giving the answer, right? Because in 2021, like, you know, finding the information that you need is the skill that we we should be practicing. You know, it's not memorizing a bunch of textbooks and all these things. It's like, teaching the skill of when you don't know something, how do you figure it out? I am thinking about, remember we talked a long time ago about that student I was working with uh, who uh, had dyslexia? And we were working on text-to-speech and all these kind of assistive technology tools. There was a little bit of pushback from the family. Um, Anyway, this student is a perfect example. These are the kinds of things that I work on with this student. And she, you know, in the beginning stages of us working together, she would ask me questions and I'd be like, I don't know, what do you think? And she'd be like, and even when it came to her, like, what does that word mean? I'm like, I'm not sure. How do we find out? You know, and it's like, that's so important to teach our students how to find the answer to solve their problems. Um, we're teaching such an important skill there. So I was thinking as you were t- sharing that story, like what a great example of how to not just give the answer, mm-hmm. you know? Well, that, it's funny you say that too, because that was one of the things we were discussing afterwards. Someone who had not was not really familiar with Minecraft, but knew of it as a video game. They never realized that it was a sandbox video game. And and so uh, and when I'll explain that in a second. What this person was saying was, you know, thinking it was a video game, my familiarity with video games is there's a start to a story, you move through some sort of story, and at the end, you know, you've won the video game, right? Not that most people get to the end, but that's the idea that you it's 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 a linear path. Well, Minecraft is a sandbox game where there are story modes where you can go through stories, but this was not that. This is you land in a world and you you can build and fly and pretty much create anything you can create. And uh, the feedback was that kind of blew my mind because it felt very overwhelming to someone who never like I can create anything. And that's why I was like, well, think of it like a sandbox where, you know, a little kid sits in the sandbox. You don't say, all right, now it's time to build this thing, right? You, you build, you start building, you start making, you start creating. The limits of your imagination are your only confines. Exactly. The other thing I love about this is you know, there was an authentic purpose for this exercise and activity, and it was intrinsically motivating to everyone who participated, which I feel like is such an important thing that I, again, I think we forget in education. We're like, oh, okay, do this worksheet or do this thing, or I'm teaching you this skill. It's like we can embed this kind of learning into things that kids actually care about, and kids care about video games in 2021. So, like, we need to be thinking through that lens when we're figuring out our lesson plans and how we're working with students. Um, you know, let's take things that they're really excited to talk about, um, AAC or otherwise. 
So not only that, so one of the, at one point, Joshua and I were stuck on the coding stuff. We couldn't get something to work that we thought should work. And all of a sudden, one of his friends came by, and now there was three of us, and we're all problem solving and trying to figure it out together back to that point, right? But here's the big thing too, Rachel. I feel like at the end of the day, to, to your last point, when these kids go home and their family says, what'd you do at school today? It's not, I don't know, nothing. I don't know. Same as it. it's like, I don't know, these teachers came and they didn't know what Minecraft was. So I was showing them Minecraft and I couldn't figure out how to code and spawn an animal. But then so-and-so came over and he was helping. Like suddenly there's an excitement and passion because you were authentically doing something with your time, um, which is, you know, it's the crux of uh, pretty much every presentation I do is how can we make learning more authentic for kids? I love it. Chris, I wish I was there because I need to learn a thing or two about Minecraft. I know all my kids are obsessed with it and I just need some practice. <laughs> I need some practice getting some familiarity. Tell Josh to call me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see, what are we talking about today for the interview? Oh, this is, this is, uh, this is great. This is with Michaela, who is our audio engineer. Hello, Michaela. Um, Michaela had reached out to me because she was considering certification, uh, which might be foreshadowing for a conversation coming up, Rachel, uh, on the podcast. I hope it, I hope it is. But she was thinking about certification in the assistive technology realm, and she wanted to pick my brain about that, having worked in assist- assistive technology for a lot of years. Um, and, uh, she wanted to get my feedback on what I thought about certification. And so, you know, it's hard when you're trying to navigate your um, professional world, right? Do you jog left or do you zigzag right, you know? Um, so we are, this is a conversation about AT certification. Black women and girls of color are underrepresented in professions related to science, technology, engineering, and math, also known as STEM for short. Imagine the impact changing this fact could have not only on the lives of black women and girls of color, but on the world as a whole. Young and preteen girls of color need more experiences and opportunities to learn technology and computer programming skills that can fuel curiosity, ingenuity, and passion. With the proper guidance, inspiration, and mentorship, Black girls and girls of color can become leaders in fields related to STEM. Black Girls Code is an organization that has a singular mission. It aims to introduce programming and technology to a new generation of coders, coders who will become builders of innovative technologies and of their own futures. Go to blackgirlscode.com to learn more about how you can volunteer or donate to support their mission. Black Girls Code is working to increase the number of women of color in the digital space by empowering girls of color ages 7 to 17 to become innovators in STEM fields, leaders in their communities, and builders of their own futures through exposure to computer science and technology. They are working to provide African-American youth with the skills to occupy jobs related to computing and to train 1 million girls by 2040. Check out their website at blackgirlscode.com or follow them on Twitter at blackgirlscode to learn about upcoming events, volunteer opportunities, apparel, and so much more. With your help, Black Girls Code will reach their goal and will see millions of young women of color achieve their dreams and change the world for the better. You can make a difference by going to blackgirlscode.com today. So, Michaela, what do you want to talk about? I want to talk about um, AT certifications. Yeah, what are you thinking? Um, 
Well, there's another classmate of mine um, who he's kind of following down the same path I am, um, interested in AAC, wants to work with the highly impacted populations. And um, he was talking about Resna. So I looked up Resna and I'm like, I, this is a big chunk and commitment. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure the worth of it or not. Mm -hmm. um, especially what I've run into a couple of times is some certifications, they don't want to certify you before you're licensed. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm having that trouble with the new ASHA uh, SLT or SLPA certification. So do you have a license first before you can be certified? Well, in, in, in regards to that one, you have to have very specific hours, even though it's like in our, in Utah, you have to be on the track receiving those hours. So they, they have two paths, but one you can enter at a different time, basically in your career path. So it's running into that a little bit with a lot of the certifications. Can I ask you some questions? Where, like, how close are you to be gra to graduation? I'm a year and a half. Year and a half. Okay. And then have you had a good taste of where you think you'd like to work after the fact? Like, okay, I got my degree. In, Pro like, probably not yet. <laughs> not yet. But you still want to test some other things. Some, well, I mean, I think I know where I want to go. I'm just being honest. I haven't had all the clinical experiences in the wide field, the mm -hmm. wide range. So is your thought, like when you're thinking... Uh, are you thinking like long-term, like Resna? Okay, so in a year mm -hmm. from now, what, what kind of next? What certification should I be pursuing? What should my, my next uh, professional um, goal be after I've got my degree? Is that like your long-term planning here? I'm thinking before I'm done, what can I do to help me stick out from the rest? Because that's the game. I mean, I'm, I know the amount of SLP positions that open up are fairly common and often, but it's still like, I, I want to be hired to work where I want to work. So mm. I'm wondering if there's an AT certification I can just have under my belt that's on my resume and it gives me that extra experience so I can work with those populations. Gotcha. Cause gotcha. I loved it. I, I loved working in the preschool. So I think I'm going to love working with the younger age people, the little younger age kiddos that, you know, are all nonverbal. It's so sure. fun. Okay. Well, here's my thought on it then. So first, I think it's great that you already know kind of what direction you want to go. And that I think really hones it down. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And you don't have such a wide breadth. Second, I think, um, I think you're hundred percent correct. I think in the United States, at least there are a few hot spots where it becomes difficult and it's highly competitive to get um, a speech job, but that is few and far between. In fact, I think I grew up in one of those areas, like the Buffalo, New York area. There's a number of grad programs around that area. So getting a speech therapy job in that area is difficult, but the rest of the country, like where I live now, we have got a severe shortage. My supervisor cannot find them, can't keep them, is in constant competition with other areas to like, like, you know, what can we do to, to incentivize you to come work for us? You know? So yeah. I would not be, I, I mean, it's, I know it sounds so weird because in grad school, it seems so competitive, at least, at least it did back in my day. I don't know if you've had that experience, but in my day, it was like, we have to be in the top so percent because, you know, um, you're trying to like, I don't know what, I don't even know what I was competing for. It was just that sort of culture <laughs> yeah. of, of like, you gotta be the best of the best for some reason. So 
do you feel like where you want to work? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're not moving out of where you currently live, right? I mean, no, is the world your oyster. Like, hey, the whole family is going to move because I no, we're we're in Salt Lake Valley, and so do you feel like that's a a spot where it might be competitive? Like, oh, geez, mm. I do have to do something to edge out other speech therapists or candidates. Uh, not necessarily. I think my desire to stick out above the rest is I'm used to working in the film industry, so I'm really like. I've got that mindset of, okay, I know exactly what I want to do. I need to hone that. I need to um, display that and say, hey, this is what I do, yeah. which maybe that's, maybe I need to chill out on that a little bit. But Well, I mean, I, I'm knowing that I live out East and have only been to Salt Lake maybe, what, twice, you know, and so I don't have my finger on the pulse of the speech therapy community in Salt Lake City um, or in or Utah or really out West at all. Um, my thought is chances are you're not going to have that much competition. Now there could be like okay. another therapist, but chances are the places that you'll be applying will be in desperate need. And it'll probably be more than a warm body. Like they'll reject you if you're terrible, but just the fact that you're what you already have on your resume, as far as the, you know, you're talking with tech experience, I feel that's probably going to be enough of an edge without necessarily going and spending an absorbent amount of money and time on a resna certification. So, so I think you'd be fine without it just to be. Yeah. I, you know. I'm getting that impression. <laughs> yeah. But you're also speaking to somebody who has pretty much been one of the big vocal voices against the Resna certification. So, okay. <laughs> um, so there is um, something called the Quality Indicators for Assistive Technology Listserv. Uh, and what that is, is that's a listserv that a bunch of assistive technology folks kind of subscribe to. It was a, uh, uh, I think it was, well, it doesn't matter. It, it was a bunch of smart people once upon a time created this Qualities Indicators for Assistive Technology. They created a listserv and it's existed okay. for years and years and years. Like these are the... Um, the, I, I guess you would call them the kind of the pioneers in the assistive technology industry, you know, and in yeah. the field, right? If you even can, could still call it a field. Anyway, a lot of people subscribe to this listserv. And if you were to go back and search the listserv, you'd find posts from me kind of, I guess, anti-Resna certification. Um and here's my rat, and that's why I wanted to talk to you about it because mm -hmm. rather than saying, here's some post I read, you know, it's you and me. So I wanted to kind of give you my spiel on it um, and maybe point you in a different direction. If that's okay. Um, so I have nothing against the resonance certification or the idea that if that's how somebody learns about assistive technology and comes to it, everyone chooses their own path. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And if you've done that, great. I just can't necessarily endorse it for the future. Because of what are the, a lot of that certification that my understanding of it is, is that you sort of go and you study for this test that you take. And then every year you continue to pay dues towards Resna to keep that certification very much similar to ASHA. You know what I mean? I just, I just re-upped my dues for ASHA this year. Um, uh, so once I've taken that test, that Resna test, I just keep paying my dues and I keep getting it. The test itself from those who have taken it, what they tell me, because I've asked lots of people before I formulated this opinion, was like, yeah, it was a lot of seating and positioning. There's a, there is a school-based version now as well, which is a little bit more 
might have more application to the schools, but you don't really need it to do your job well, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it was a lot of, I don't know, like I said, seating, positioning, um, physiological stuff, not necessarily technology stuff. And it doesn't necessarily hone, hone in on like making decisions for the, about technology. And what okay. it really doesn't focus on, I'm I'm 100% confident of this, is that it doesn't focus on like that coaching aspect or helping other people make decisions about technology. It's really about your own skill set. And I, uh, the way the assistive technology w- world has completely moved is in uh, is can it's it is 100% moved away from some sort of expert model like. Oh, you're unclear on what to do. Bring me in as an expert, and I'll tell you what to do. The way it has completely moved, and I and I think it's the right move, has been bring me in, and I will coach you through how to make a decision for yourselves. You know, I will guide your okay. team thinking process so you can make a well informed decision on your own. And the Resna certification, in no way, I, I don't think they, I don't think they'd even endorse themselves as someone that does, you know, as an organization that facilitates that. It's all been about this expert model. So, questions? Does it? <laughs> no, that sounds like it. Sounds like it's it originally maybe bridged the gap between SLPs and OTs and and PTs, maybe more so OT. Yeah, I think back but, in the day, maybe it legitimized some of the practices that were happening. You know, um, yeah, and I think. It might only be California that says like if you want to do assistive technology, whatever that means. I mean, I mean, there's a federal definition of it, but like, what is it? Who's certified to do assistive technology? Those working, those of us on that quiet list, or most of us anyway. Um, my previous book has all been breaking down those barriers. Like, no, everyone knows something about assistive technology. It's sort of a myth that there's some sort of expert in it. You know? Yeah. Um, does that okay. help? Yeah, yeah, it does. It's so, good to hear a perspective about what what Resna really is. So, while it might look good on a resume, it may not actually be that beneficial for the cost and time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. There are some people, like colleagues of mine, that went out and got it just because they wanted to have the the initials after. They pay it, they re up every year, and they pay their fees. Yeah. And in no way have they ever said, "I'm so glad." you know, I, I do that, or that really helps me in my job on a day-to-day basis. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. more like just to have the initials after your name in case someone would call you out in some professional manner, you can have these, these letters after your name, you know, yeah. have an ATP, you know? Um, I remember at ATIA one year, maybe like two years ago, like the huge buzz was about coaching and facilitation. And that's what we, we all sort of recognized like that's where we needed to move. And yet the number of people getting resident certifications was never higher. And it was just this complete clash between where we're moving as a field and this kind of old legacy of like certifications. Mm-hmm. In general, Mikhail, again, this is just my own bent here, but I'm sort of anti-certification. You know, like I went into those interviews yeah. Uh, um, like we did with Katja Hill and the whole uh, AAC certification that's coming out. Really, I try to keep an open mind, but mostly it's like, what are we, you know, you've probably heard me say it. Like, if you haven't seen the King's speech, if you haven't seen the King's speech, that's pretty much sums up my feeling for certification. Have you seen it? Do you know? Oh yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. The guy doesn't have his certification, you know, he just did his research, knows the evidence, knows what works. 
And I think that also mm-hmm. speaks to like all the parents we talk to on this podcast, you know, how many of them do not have degrees in speech therapy who have did not go through any sort of certification process and know tons more than the people that did go through those programs. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, that's like the embodiment of film. <laughs> really like you could go to film oh, yeah. school well, and not really learn but if you get the it's notorious for that if because i attended a i attended a film program at the school i was attending and it doesn't mean anything to attend that and then you get the experience on set so it makes sense where i might suggest you spend time instead and spend your yeah. dollars instead one rachel and i always say this behind the scenes If I could go back to when I was in grad school and I could take electives, I would totally Mm -hmm. be taking business electives. I would love to know more about business and what I should be learning about business. Now that said, like I can get that. I can go take my own courses or listen to my own podcasts. I can still do that, but I would love to have a minor in business or, uh, and I don't, I, I could be barking up the same tree. Like, well, Chris, why? You know, there's probably a bunch of business SLPs would be listening to this later and being like, no, Chris, we didn't learn anything in grad school. We learned it all on the job. You know, it's like maybe the same thing. Still, I wish I could go back. And I mean, I guess I still could, but you know what I mean? Like if I was in it, I'd be learning about business. Mm -hmm. The second thing, if I was going to, if I were you like, okay, I want to make sure I edge myself out. I would totally be looking into one of two directions. One would be ed leadership. Like, hey, I got my administrative degree or I got credits toward my administrative degree in education. Even though you might be thinking, Chris, I have no interest in, I just want to do some therapy right now. I -hmm. guarantee you three to five years into the profession, you'll start to be thinking, okay, what's next? What do I want to do next? You know? Okay. Okay. So having some of those in your back pocket, like, you know what, I got a taste for that administration or invariably you'll work with administrators and you'll be like, man, they really inspired me, you know, or mm-hmm. they were terrible. I think I could do a better job. <laughs> like one yeah. of those two things will happen. Um, uh, but I feel like that is, often a next step that a lot of educators take is, Hey, could I be, you know, uh, could I be the, the preschool administrator of this program? You know, so having steps in that direction, I think could, could be nothing but good for you. Okay. And the, the third thing that you might be considering is just, uh, ed tech. So not necessarily assistive technology, but just educational technology. I use that, that knowledge and that stuff a thousand times more than I use assistive technology if that makes sense. Assistive technology is so specialized. And if I know ed tech, then I can also kind of get the assistive tech. Like, oh, kids who are learning to read and they are having to spend more time doing that and they might need different technologies. If I learned about ed tech, I would know how to help them, you know? Yeah, Um, okay. So I feel like those are, and and other, like, yo, kids that, uh, I mean, all I need to know is, Hmm, there's some technology there that would help a kid that has trouble with, and then insert trouble with, you know, trouble right. accessing the computer, trouble reading, trouble with mobility. If I have a decision-making process and I know about looking for technology, um, then I'll be able to do that. So I think ed tech is your best, and it's more, a more global, here I'm wearing a shirt that says inclusive 365, right? But I feel like yeah. that's our 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 profession is going and the world is going is thinking Mm -hmm. about inclusion. So 
having a special ed background and into bringing into ed tech, I just feel like it's the way to go, you know? Okay, cool. So these are great. You? Yeah. These are great directions to look at and consider. Cause it's definitely like, I figure if I want to do extra school, I've learned my lesson. I'd rather do it now while I'm already in school instead of doing it again for a third time. So I'm like, okay, what, what, what can I do to edge myself out? Cool. So for administrative degrees, is that under education? That's got to be under education, right? Yeah. There's specific, like Melissa, uh, my wife, you know, Melissa has, Mm -hmm. um, she's got her ed leadership degree and there's certificates as well. So you don't necessarily have to get a degree in it. You know, she mm-hmm. wanted to get her second master's and it was a couple more credits. And it was like, well, you're that close. Just get your master's, you know, but there are certificates that you can get that would also, you know, um, okay. be sort of like the, what the credentials you need. And getting yeah. your first job, you know, as a speech therapist, just saying, hey, I've got credits in this or I'm, I've got a certificate or I'm close to getting a certificate in this. I think that only if you are worried about edging people out for the job, that can only help, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. Some of it also is just learning more. Maybe I'm, I'm worried about with my program that I'm not going to learn as much as I want in the area I want before I'm out in the world working. That's you're, you're, problem anywhere, I guess. Worry no longer. That's the truth. You won't until you... <laughs> oh, well. I mean, nothing against your program. It's any program. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's the learning yeah. academics. And then there's the on-the-job training about how it really is, you know, that uh, you'll learn so much more from, you know. And yeah. I just don't think there's any program that's going to be able to do that, you know, prepare you as as much as you'd like to. Um, but that's fine. Do you know what I mean? That's how it is everywhere. Yeah. And so you are thinking preschool? Is that, I mean, do you mind if I ask? Preschool or elementary school? I think early on. I did, let's see, Lingrafica had a, a conference about AAC and aphasia, and that was really interesting. And I, I'm like, this is cool, but I'm really, I, I think I really dig the like learning a language the first time element mm-hmm. of it. And so that's why I think I'd lean more towards the younger population. But I also recognize that there's not a lot of adult AAC specialists out there either. So that could be beneficial. Maybe in the end, that's where I'll end up in my old age. I don't know. Who knows, right? Right. I mean, that is another thing you could be thinking about is, and I feel like the world is kind of up in the air with this right now. Like I've talked to some other friends in different professions that feel the same way, but that idea of having some sort of coaching certificate, I really, I know, you know, Rachel and I have been, you know, barking up this tree for a while now, but anything along those lines where you can kind of facilitate the decision-making process of somebody else. I mean, here, I just came in and told you what to do, but I just feel like that's where our profession is growing, is going as a as speech therapy. I feel like that's where education is heading is there's so many more coaching positions. And so again, that is not anything new to early childhood necessarily, although the term coaching is early childhood has has sort of embraced that notion of like, well, you meet with a parent and you kind of guide them on what to do. Um, and I feel like that is something that if if your your degree if your college has something along those lines, something in coaching, or if there is some sort of outside certificate that you would look at, that's another thing that I would be I would be investigating, you know. Yeah, that's a good point. Because even with um, just general AAC, it's it's huge. The coaching part. It is. And it's so effective if you do it yeah. well. 
You know, it's yeah. gonna be way more gratifying than doing 30 minutes or 60 minutes of speech therapy, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. All right. That's a great idea. Anything else? No, I don't think so. So I'm thinking about it all. Yeah. I mean, the last thing I guess I would suggest is don't just take my word for it. There might be other people you could reach out to, you know, find someone who is resident certified and ask them, Hey, did you yeah. find it worth it? Did you find it? You know, uh, I've talked to many of those people, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I've, it's one of the reasons I formulated my opinion. The second thing is I often say like Melissa and I often say this, like how much more money do I need to spend to do my job? Like I already, spend money towards ASHA. I'm in the ed, ed tech world. So, you know, my, if I'm going to be um, the International Society for Technology and Education, if I'm going to pay for that, like I'm SIG 12 member, like I'm constantly paying for, mm-hmm. I pay for my Virginia license, you know, so do I need a resident certification on top of that? Well, let me go investigate. Is this worth your time and money? I have not the people I've talked to have not been like, oh yeah, it was so worth it, Chris. That you have to, you know, it, yeah. it's been a resounding. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, I hope that's helpful. I'll let you get back to the kids and the studying and all the rest of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for taking the time to set me. Actually, you just kind of opened up my window a little bit as to options how to look at this. Good. I hope, I hope so. I hope you investigate some of those and, you know, maybe one of those will just go like, this looks awesome. Let me investigate that, you know, because I hope I didn't open it up and like made you even more confused. (laughs) Oh, no, 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 no. Um, The business classes, I'm like, I don't think I'll check those out because in film, I was given the same advice and I'm like, you know what? I really, really don't want to. I hear you. (laughs) And uh, being a freelancer for 10 years, I'm like, okay, I, I think I've learned a chunk. Um, but that coaching certificate and then the leadership, um, ed leadership, I think that's, that's a really good idea. And it also seems very uh, applicable, maybe more applicable than an AT certification. So I think you're going to find that. Those sound great. Great. Well, Hey, keep me informed. Of course. Okay. um, We'll talk soon. Happy holidays. Same to you.